0: It's been amazing to watch moments of worship that have happened through a screen for small communities of people gathered in their living rooms. And at the beginning of this, that was really awkward for me personally to be like singing toward my TV that's connected to my computer. And it's like, okay, I'm in here and my wife can hear me sing, which is generally what I like about sitting close to the front. Nobody can hear my voice except God. He's the only one who needs to hear my voice. It's that bad. And Matt Cole can attest. To that, but I like I've I've loved how worship can be so powerful in this moment. But it's so cool because so many of you are in homes, in dorm rooms, in living rooms where the praise of God is being lifted up, and that's more than a Sunday experience, but you're actually seeing chains broken in your marriage. You're seeing chains broken in your family as God is able to invade a space that maybe you've never lifted up songs of worship in your house before, and now it's a weekly thing. I think that's pretty cool. I think there's power when we worship God. I think there's power when we lift up the name of Jesus, and I'm grateful for our worship team leading us every week. I wanna take us into week two of our sermon series on the Holy Spirit called Fresh Wind. And we're believing that God has a fresh wind for our church during this season. We're believing that the Holy Spirit of God is actually going to redefine 2020 in this coming season to seal our identity as believers in Jesus and set us up for the rest of our lives and for a brand new season together as a church. And I was having lunch this week with one of our elders and he told me, he was like, doesn't it feel like that fresh wind thing is more than a title to a sermon series, but like God is doing something, like there's a wind coming behind us as a church, and I don't know what he's about to do, and I don't know what this looks like specifically, but I do know he's on the move and something powerful is coming. That's what the Holy Spirit moves like. That's what it feels like. It's like, I don't really know where this is going and I don't really know where this is coming from, but I do know that God is on this and I do know that God's moving in power. And so many times I think there's a lot of us as Christians who don't know what that means and what that looks like in our daily lives. And so we ignore the power that lives on the inside of us just because scripture seems to be something that we need to learn more about or something that we need to discover more. And what we saw last week from Romans chapter eight is that the Holy Spirit breathing life into our soul actually begins when the Holy Spirit has authority over our minds. It's a brand new mindset. It's not something that happens on the other side of just shouting a song or reciting a prayer or reading a verse. It happens on the other side of renewing your mind and believing by faith that what God says about you is what's true about you. There's a new reality that children of God live in by the power of the Holy Spirit, and it happens when you take the mind that was stuck in the flesh, that was stuck in old ways, that was stuck in death, and you actually believe that Jesus did die, that he was risen, that he is risen, and that he now lives on the inside of you by the power of the Holy Spirit, and now all of a sudden you're awakened to live in this new realm. And that's when God brings a fresh wind. That's when God brings a second wind to breathe life into you. I wanna encourage you, church, don't miss one moment of this series because understanding how the Holy Spirit moves on the inside of your life is absolutely essential to living the Christian life. Go back and watch last week. If you haven't watched that one, I wanna tell you definitely do not want to miss next week. I'm so excited about next week because we're welcoming a special guest to our stage. Sadie Robertson Huff will be bringing the word of God next Week And if you've never heard her speak before, she is going to be bringing fresh wind and energy into the life of our church. She is married to Christian Huff, who was a part of our church for four years. And not a lot of people know this, but they actually had a season where they got to call this church home right here in Auburn. It got cut short, like many other things that COVID cut short. But it was so cool because as we were getting to talk to them, we got to see this opportunity that God had to bring her voice into the life of our church at just the right time. So do not miss church next Sunday. Definitely want to tune into last week, but we got this moment right here and right now, and I want to give you the title of the sermon. Are you ready to hear from the word of God in this room? Yeah. I need some energy from the few people who have been scattered in 323 Airport Road. I can't wait until there's more of you here. I'm going to give you the title of this sermon. Part two of Fresh Wind is called, This is the Way, Walk in It. This is the way, walk in it. Could you look at somebody next to you and just say, walk it out, walk it out. Look at somebody next to you and say it out loud, walk it out. That was a popular song and dance when I was in middle school. I will not make an attempt at doing it right now, but I want to talk about the Holy Spirit enabling us to walk out a life of faith. This is the way walk in it. I'm thinking Galatians five, where it's Paul says, "So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh." Being in a relationship. With Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit is not something that just happens in a still moment. It's something that happens in an active lifestyle. And we learn increasingly over time how to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. But for so many of us, we never really discover the power of the Holy Spirit guiding us because we're relating to the Holy Spirit as an it, not as a he. Let me say that again. A lot of us struggle in our relationship with God to understand the Holy Spirit as a guide because we're relating to him as an it, not as a he. When we talk about the fresh wind of the Holy Spirit, there's a temptation for us to see the Holy Spirit as this ghost or this mystical power that we don't understand. We need to understand the Spirit of God is a part of the Godhead. Three in one Father, Son, and Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an it, it's a he. And he has a personality, he has an agenda, and he has a very clear way in the scriptures of filling us up on the inside. But for so many of us, here's what I mean by we treat the Holy Spirit like an it. We treat the Holy Spirit like a vending machine. And what we try to do is we try to discover how to have supernatural power. More than that, I think a lot of us try to discover how to have supernatural insight. So most of our prayer lives look like God, if you would just show me, if you would just reveal to me, if you would just tell me, if you would just get some information across to me in a divine way, because I need to know where to go, I need to know where to live, I need to know what school to put my kids in, I need to know how to school my kids, because for some of you they're still at home and you're going crazy. I need to know who to marry. I need to know that you're going to get me a date. Single people, I'm, I'm still feeling you in this moment, and I want you to know that we love you and we can't wait to have you back together. But we're still going to have to stay socially distant. And, and for a lot of you, your relationship with God looks like Holy Spirit, show me, reveal to me. He's like a vending machine that I need an answer from. But the Holy Spirit is your relational connection to the Son of God. I couldn't believe it when I was watching Madison's story because I actually got the title of this sermon from Isaiah chapter 30. And when she quoted Isaiah chapter 30, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. I was like, oh my gosh, that's where I'm starting my sermon. And the Holy Spirit just puts these moments together because Isaiah 30 starts out as this this confirmation of judgment against Israel. That's what Isaiah was writing in Isaiah 30. He's like, listen, you guys have trusted in Egypt instead of trusting in God. Now God is going to unleash judgment on you. This is not going to go good. And then boom, this happens all the time in the Bible, by the way, especially like right around Matthew. God has this tendency of entering into a moment that should look like judgment and bringing mercy. And Isaiah 30 is beautiful. God says, I am longing to show mercy and compassion and be gracious to my people. And he invites them and says, listen, if you will only call to me for help, I will come and I will meet you right where you are. Some of you need to know that today. You are one prayer away from the spirit of God moving in your life. It just takes a call for help because God is available. But right in the middle of that section, there's this verse. I wanna show this to you. You don't gotta turn there. It's just a quick verse. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21 says this. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. This is the way, walk in it. God's making promises to his people and he's saying, hey, when you come back into submission to me as your Lord, you're going to hear a voice behind you while you're on your journey called life that says, this is the way, walk in it. And I was reading that and I was like, that's that's the problem for so many of us when we try to have a relationship with God through the power of the Holy Spirit. We want the Holy Spirit to tell us which way to go, right or left, but we don't want the Holy Spirit to tell us this is who Jesus is today. Did you notice this? Y'all have got to catch this. In verse 21, it says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. That's so powerful because it literally means whether I go this way or whether I go this way there's gonna be a voice that is covering me and guiding me on a specific way. In other words, the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit is not to tell you, go this way, not that way. The primary pur- purpose of the Holy Spirit is to lead you in the way. What is the way? Jesus said, John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The Holy Spirit doesn't want you to spend your whole life praying prayers that go, which way should I go? Which relationship should I go in? The Holy Spirit wants you to submit your ways to his ways and follow after Jesus. Then whether you go that that way or that way, you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. Doesn't matter which way you go because you're in Him. Oh, there's freedom in that. There's freedom in that. When I was in college, if somebody would have told me that, I would have lost my mind going, so I don't have to spend the rest of the next four years stressing about what I'm majoring in, stressing about what I'm gonna do next, trying to figure out how in the world I'm gonna provide for this girl named Courtney Lazenby who I really wanna marry. I don't have to spend my whole life praying prayers toward a provision that you're gonna provide for me along the way because my pursuit of God is not for information. My pursuit of God is for a relationship. And the Holy Spirit, listen, this is so crazy. This is the way, walk in it. The Holy Spirit is going, this is is the way. Because the Holy Spirit is not trying to get you to the right city or to the right job or in the right relationship. The Holy Spirit is trying to get you to Jesus. And then the good shepherd is going to show you the way. It's not to say that the Holy Spirit doesn't care about getting you to the right places and provide supernatural doors. We're going to talk about that in this sermon. But I needed to begin by saying we have to open our eyes to the fact that there's a relational connection to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit's purpose is not just to give you access to the divine and supernatural moments of inklings. And I think I understand what I'm supposed to do. No, the ultimate purpose of the Holy Spirit is to be the voice of Jesus on the inside of you. Is this helping anybody? I'm about to quote Jesus who says directly what I just said. If you had your your Bible, hold it up. All of this place, hold it up, hold it up. Come on, stay with me. Still got people not bringing their Bibles. Come on, guys, hold it up high. I love this. Turn with me to John chapter 16. John chapter 16, I wanna read you something. The purpose of this talk is to teach you how to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit as you pursue Jesus. And the only way I can do that is by preaching to you from the word of God. Now saying that might sound obvious, but the problem with so many thoughts about the Holy Spirit in 2020 is people have tried to conjure up what's true about the Holy Spirit from experience instead of reading about what's true about the Holy Spirit from the Bible. This is huge. When you hear someone talk about the Spirit of God and there is a tendency to go, well, the Holy Spirit showed me blank. I'm not saying that can't happen, but I'm saying that never happens outside of the confines of what's true in your Bible. So when somebody claims to have a supernatural vision from the Holy Spirit that somehow supersedes what the Bible says, that wasn't from the Holy Spirit. That was from another spirit. We have to understand that our experience with the Holy Spirit has to flow from what's true about the Bible. And this is a doctrine that you need to be very careful. You guys know I'm not one of those guys who's like, hey, just read the Bible and firmly apply this to your life, and this is all that we need. No, I think we need to allow the Bibles to the Bible, to give us a relational experience on planet earth with real people and awaken our eyes to walk in the life Jesus died for us to live, no doubt. But it is dangerous to ever start talking about the Holy Spirit of God outside of what is clearly laid out in scripture. And when you know your Bible, then your experience can flow from that and you know it's God. And you know it's him. So listen, I'm gonna read this, and I have NIV in my hand. I actually wanna read from the ESV today, so I'm gonna read from my iPad. I'm gonna read from John chapter 16 about the night before Jesus died, and this is one of the craziest statements Jesus ever makes. He says, listen, I'm leaving you. Disciples are panicking. You can't leave. You're the master. You're the miracle worker. You're the one who does all the things we need you to do. You can't leave. And Jesus goes, no, it's better this way. Trust me, it's better that I go away. And the context for which Jesus tells his disciples, it's better that I go away is that the Holy Spirit is going to come down and connect you to me in a way that's more powerful than me being in front of you physically. Do you actually believe today that because of the Holy Spirit of God, you have more access to God's power than if Jesus walked in the room you were in right now? There's a popular worship song out right now that says, What would you do if he walked into the room? Myself, our worship pastor, Matt Cole, a couple of us listen to it a lot because it's so powerful to envision. If Jesus just walked into this room right now, what would we all do? We would stop this moment of listening to anything I have to say and fall on our faces. Some of us would weep. Some of us would be wiping Jesus' feet with our tears. Some of us would just be so overwhelmed at the sight. It's a powerful thing to imagine. But I was listening to that this week, and I was like, why don't we react to Jesus like that? Because he's not over there. He's in here. Like he's actually in us, and if we believe that, there's a sense of awe and wonder that should come from every single breath we take on planet Earth. I'm gonna show you what Jesus said about it. John chapter 16, verse seven. If you're there, say, I'm there. Reading from the ESV, guys, here we go. Nevertheless, remember Jesus is like, I'm going away, I'm going away, I'm going away. I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Wait, what? When Jesus says it's better that I go away. Holy Spirit's gonna go out. The first thing he mentions is not what the Holy Spirit is going to do for believers. The first thing he mentions is what the Holy Spirit is going to do for non-believers. He says he's, gonna, he's actually gonna preach to the world concerning sin, concerning judgment, and concerning righteousness. Now, this might bother you a little bit, but one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit is to prove the guilt of an unbelieving world, When somebody never has the opportunity to, by grace through faith, profess trust in Jesus, we believe that individual is spiritually dead. And this is huge for you to understand. And this might bother some of you. It's definitely gonna bother people in 2020. And just by saying it, I've basically signed myself up to never get invited to certain things or never really get opportunities, but I'd rather be faithful to the word of God and stand before God as one who's blameless than I would rather be invited to the special party or told that I'm doing a good job because I make people feel better about things that are actually not true. I wanna tell you the truth. The Holy Spirit is the breath of God. Why do spiritual beings need breath? Because they're dead, So the Holy Spirit doesn't come into your life to make you a good person or a better person. The Holy Spirit comes into your life because you were dead, now you've been made alive. And so if you do not have the Holy Spirit, you have no life. And Jesus is going, the Holy Spirit is going to tell the world that they are guilty because if they do not receive him, he is the only opportunity for new life. Guys, what I'm preaching every single week is not something that we can flippantly look at and go, yeah, the Holy Spirit's important. Yeah, Jesus and the cross and all this is great and we're the children of God. No, we need to understand Jesus is the only hope of the world to a world that is dying and spiritually bankrupt. If we do not call people to genuine belief and repentance as they follow Jesus, they are going to hell. And even as I say that, I feel like it's so insensitive. I feel like it's so impersonal. I'm not even in the room that you're in physically. The reason why I need to say it, though, is because in 2020, we've gotten so sensitive to being politically correct that I think some of us are afraid of the tenets of this book. We do not need to be afraid of Scripture. We need to lift it up more than ever and go, God has told us who he is. He's been good to us. He's made a way, and the only way is Jesus. So when I say this is the way, walk in it, that's exclusive. When Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, he was not providing an option for spirituality. He was providing the only opportunity for resurrection. It's only found in Jesus. You do need to wrestle with that, by the way. You do need to think about whether or not you believe in hell. You need to think about whether or not your life is submitted to the truth of this book because so many of us accidentally for years, we've been following Jesus, but we've actually been subjecting the scriptures to our own experience and interpretation instead of realizing that life is found underneath the scriptures and going, listen, even when I don't understand it and even when I don't see it, I believe that you're God and I am not. And you are thinking and operating on a level that I'll never fully understand, but I trust you. The Holy Spirit goes out concerning righteousness, concerning sin, and concerning judgment to tell a lost world, because you don't believe in God's son, you will not have life. It's an urgent message. And you do need to struggle with it and wrestle with it, but you do need to ultimately decide whether or not you trust what's written in this book or whether or not you trust yourself and what the world has to offer. You guys still good? There's a good chance we just lost a lot of people on our YouTube video. But if you're still with me, here comes the good news. You ready? Verse 12, Jesus, I love how real Jesus is. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. I love that. When you read this passage in context, Jesus just dropped the vine and the branches in John chapter 15. He just dropped on the way, the truth and the life in John chapter 14. He just dropped a lot of truth on them and it's all back to back to back. And he literally stops and says, I have so much more to say clearly you guys, you can't handle it all right now. Like you cannot handle all that I wanna give you because I'm about to go away and I feel like I just need to give you at the last moment everything I need to say, but I can't even get it all out to you. You can't bear it, but watch this. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is huge. Jesus said, I can't even get everything I wanna say out, but it doesn't matter. It's better that I'm going away because I can still talk to you. Whatever the helper, whatever the advocate, whatever the spirit says, he does not speak on his own. He has one purpose, to say what I want him to say and to glorify me. This is huge to understand. The Holy Spirit is not a rogue agent in the Trinity who's just different. The Holy Spirit exists in perfect union with the Father and with the Son. And why does he do what he does? Two things. He does what he does to say what Jesus wants to say and to glorify Jesus, to magnify Jesus, to lift people's eyes to the reason why they are alive. This is what I want to tell you today. The Trinity... While complicated and while there has been thousands of years of scholarship written on this, doesn't need to complicate your relationship with God every day. The Holy Spirit exists to unite you to Jesus. And so when you pray, you pray in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit to your heavenly Father, Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father and it is Jesus who lives on the inside of you and we are united to him through the power of the Holy Spirit. So when God is talking to you, specifically through his word, guess who's talking to you? Jesus. You're like, wait, I thought it was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's repeating what Jesus wanted to be said in that moment. When the Holy Spirit opens your eyes in worship, what's he opening your eyes to see? Jesus. When the Holy Spirit does a miracle, what's he doing a miracle for? To make people feel better physically? No, to shine a spotlight on the only one who has power over sickness, Jesus. When the Holy Spirit sustains someone through a season of walking to the end of their days through a sickness and they still hold on to their faith in Jesus because they persevere by the power within them. Who's the one doing that? The Holy Spirit. Why is he doing that? Because Jesus looks awesome. The reason why you have breath in your lungs and the reason why the Holy Spirit exists on the inside of you is to seal you as a child of God. And as you experience the satisfaction that comes from being a child of God, you give glory to Jesus and you're living for the one reason you are alive. You want fresh wind on the inside of your life. You want this this energy to come over you during a season where so many are struggling. It's rooted in truth. It's rooted in going, Jesus, you're actually in me and speaking to me Today, Yes. And I believe there's a fresh wind that's gonna come over our church as we learn to walk like this. When you read Jesus say, I am the good shepherd. My sheep know my voice. We love embracing the identity of sheep. Somebody say I'm a sheep. It's been a while since we said it. I feel like the I'm a sheep remix Uh, series needs to come up at some point because a lot of people struggling with anxiety right now and they need to remember the simple truth that God has not called you to figure out every detail of your life. God's called you to submit. You're a sheep. He's the shepherd. The shepherd has to speak. The Holy Spirit is how you sense the voice of God. And the voice of God goes out through the word of God. But here's what the Holy Spirit's gonna do. And you'll see this in just one second. The Holy Spirit is going to give you the confirmation to know this is not just a feeling you're having. This is not just a verse that you happen to read today. This isn't just a conversation that randomly came up and you're just a collection of some unorganized events on a planet that's spinning through outer space. No, the Holy Spirit is the one who is organizing and orchestrating your life to be a divine opportunity to walk with Jesus and be used for the reason and why you're alive, namely the glory of God. I feel like there's some people who for the first time, the Holy Spirit's making sense to you. For the first time, it's like becoming more than this strange, obscure doctrine or this part of the Trinity that I don't know, and that's huge, but I wanna take it a step further. I wanna tell you the basic tenets of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your daily life because I want you to have a fresh wind. I want the Holy Spirit to breathe on the inside of your life. And I feel like after clarifying just a couple of things about the Holy Spirit of God, this is gonna change your prayer life, this is gonna change your worship life, this is gonna change the way you read the Bible, and it could unlock the greatest supernatural breakthrough in the history of your life. I actually believe that today. Not because I believe the way that I'm presenting it is so good, I believe that I'm in submission to the Spirit of God, and as this word goes out, the power of Jesus is on what I'm saying. The power that said, Lazarus, come out, is on what I am saying right now. If we are only willing to submit to the power of the scriptures and by faith gain access to what God has given to us. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna give you six. I got six points today, guys. You guys in to stay for another five hours? You good? I got six points about what the Holy Spirit does. This doesn't cover everything that the Holy Spirit does, but I want you to understand when the Holy Spirit is going, this is the way, walk in it. This is the way, walk in it. What does that sound like? How how does that happen practically? Like tomorrow when I wake up, how does the Holy Spirit speak to me and connect me to Jesus? I wanna clarify that because I want you to have fresh wind. You ready? Six things. Six years together as a church, guys. We're all about the number six. I know some of you are like, how many times are you gonna say six? Please stop saying it three times back to back because it's kind of creeping me out. And I already believed that revelation is happening right now. not trying to be creepy. Just happens to be the number of points and the number of years. We're not gonna add a third six. Here we go. Number one, the Holy Spirit... What did Jesus say? He will guide you. The Holy Spirit guides. The Holy Spirit guides. Write that down. Guides. Now, I said earlier, if the Holy Spirit is not primarily concerned with telling you, go right, go left, move here, marry that person, and the Holy Spirit's primary purpose is to lead me to Jesus, okay, I get that, but I still have to make decisions. I'm still a human being. Does the Holy Spirit, in a real and legitimate way, help me make decisions and decide pathways to walk? Yes, And it always happens with the level of clarity the Holy Spirit is willing to give you in the moment to still express faith. Here's what I mean. The Holy Spirit will tell you some things, but he won't tell you everything. And the purpose isn't to confuse you. The purpose is that you will walk by faith and not by sight and give glory to Jesus. So, Acts chapter 20, Paul makes this major decision to go to Jerusalem and there's this church that's trying to like talk him out of it and they're like, don't go to Jerusalem. They're gonna kill you, Paul. Here's what he says. You don't gotta turn there. Acts chapter 20, I got a lot of verses and if you wanna turn there, you can, but you're gonna be all over the place. This is what Paul said about moving to Jerusalem. He said, now, compelled by the spirit, I am going to Jerusalem. Not knowing what will happen to me there, I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. This is huge. Paul says, I am compelled by the Spirit, and I know where I'm supposed to go. I don't know what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that hardships and imprisonments face me. This is how the Holy Spirit works. That phrase, compelled by the Spirit, is that moment you know God is pressing something on your heart and you can't shake it. It happened to me. It happened to my wife right before we moved to Auburn. It happened to some of the original families who helped start this church. But it happens in in the most basic, mundane ways on a daily basis. I remember being in high school, and I, I wanted this voice on the inside of me to go away so bad. I could not stand it, still can't stand it, the thought of people eating lunch alone in the lunchroom. And my wife recently did a blog post about, she went to a high school where she didn't know a lot of people in her first week of school, she ate lunch in the bathroom. And even reading about that, I know she has a lot of friends and I know she's got an awesome husband and I know she's got like this amazing family now, but I'm like, that makes me so sad because when I was in high school, I couldn't stand it. I I had a lot of friends, I had a lot of people around me all the time, but if I saw somebody in the lunchroom eating lunch by themselves, God would not leave me alone. That was the Holy Spirit going, hey, that guy, he's eating alone. You got a lot of friends around you. You should invite him over. And so there was a part of me that like, it annoyed the people I was friends with, but I was always like, hey, so-and-so's gonna come eat with us. Hey, this person's gonna come over here. That wasn't me. That was the Holy Spirit within me going, hey, this is bothering me and I'm on the inside of you, so I'm compelling you to do something about it. But then I love, Paul says, I don't know what's gonna happen to me in Jerusalem. Don't you love that? He's like, I know I'm supposed to go there. I don't know what's gonna happen. Oh, I do know it's gonna be hard. See, God gives enough clarity for you to, take the next step, but not the certainty to eliminate faith. Sorry. I have moments where I say things that I wasn't expected to say. And then I'm like, I need to say that again. I want to say it exactly the way I just said it. So we'll put it on the screen. Here it is. God gives enough clarity to take the next step, but not enough certainty to eliminate faith. And for a lot of you, you're just going, God, give me clarity. Give me clarity. He's like, I've, I've given you enough to take a step. I'll show you the way once you get going. But you're not pursuing a pathway in life. You're pursuing Jesus. Take the step. Trust him. Your good shepherd speaks to you and guides you. Last thing I'll say about this one is that some of these promptings are off. Sometimes you'll think you were prompted by the Holy Spirit, but it actually wasn't him. The best thing you can do in these moments is act on what you believe from the Holy Spirit, but combine that with the wisdom of other people and the scriptures. So when you combine the the sort of feelings and promptings that the Holy Spirit has given you with wisdom from people who are older than you, who have been there before you, and you read the scriptures, between those three things, the only thing you can do after all of that happens is do, the only thing you can do wrong after all that happens is do nothing. Make a decision. Like, don't sit in being stuck when I just don't know what the will of God is, I just don't know, I just don't know, I just don't know. Listen, you know as much as God was willing to reveal to you right now. The worst thing you could do is sit there and not make a decision because indecision is a decision. At the end of the day, we walk by faith, not by sight. The Holy Spirit guides, that's number one. Is this helping anybody? Number one is guides, the Holy Spirit guides. Number two, this one hurts, the Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit convicts. He's like a lawyer, okay? Now, the way you can know the difference between the voice of the Holy Spirit, the advocate, and the voice of the accuser is that the Holy Spirit is all about conviction. The accuser is all about condemnation. So when you hear a voice in your head that's going, I can't believe you did that again. What is wrong with you? You are never going to change. You might as well hang it up right now. You might as well not even try. You might as well go further in this pathway of sin because there's no way God's gonna give you the grace to turn, that is not the Holy Spirit. That's not conviction, that's condemnation. And we learned last week from Romans chapter eight, verse one, isn't it great to memorize scripture and renew your mind to the scripture? Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through him we have been delivered from the law of sin and death and delivered into a new law, the law of the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. So you can know today, the voice of condemnation, that's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the voice of conviction within you, reminding you that you are a child of God. Here's what Paul says. First Corinthians chapter six, he says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. I love this. Paul says, your body actually houses the Holy Spirit of God. And in the context, it's all about running from sexual sin and escaping from these things that to file us from the inside out. But I believe the truth is the same across the board. The Holy Spirit physically in our bodies will speak to us and tell us, hey, I live here and I'm not okay sharing this space with that. It could be a thought. It could be a drink. It could be food. It could be literally what you are doing to your body. It could be food that you're not giving to your body. And the Holy Spirit has this tendency of convicting you and going, hey, I live here. That can't. I live here, we gotta do something about this. But the way the Holy Spirit does it, it's almost like you're in a court of law and the Holy Spirit's a lawyer and that word convicting, when somebody gets convicted, it means, okay, that's true about you. But the Holy Spirit doesn't convict you of being guilty. The Holy Spirit convicts you of being innocent. So the Holy Spirit's on the inside of you going, yeah, you're still a child of God. God. And we're not gonna keep doing this because you're still a child of God. Yeah, 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 I know you made 10 million decisions in that direction, but I'm still in here and I'm here to testify with your spirit, Romans 8, that you are actually a child of God. The Holy Spirit will get up in your business and go, you still belong to Jesus, I'm still here, I'm not gonna shut up, I'm not gonna go away, I'm not gonna stop reminding you that you belong to God. And it'll hurt. And it'll it'll cause you to change, but the purpose is not to cause harm to you. The purpose is, watch this, to conform you into the image of Christ over time through a process called sanctification. You know you're being made to look like Jesus more and more every day if you are a believer? And the Holy Spirit will see to it that God finishes what God starts. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, I'm confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. If the Holy Spirit is in you, you are saved. You will be saved on the last day. Holy Spirit doesn't go away and then come back depending on whether or not you say you believe in Jesus today. The Holy Spirit enters into your life and seals you forever. And the Holy Spirit actually sees to it that you will persevere in your faith. Don't you love that? Oh, does ACC believe you can lose your salvation? Nope, once saved, always saved because the Holy Spirit is the one who seals me forever. And that voice of conviction, it hurts, but it's so beautiful because you know, God hasn't left me. I'm still his child. Come on, this is so good. Number three, are you ready for this? Number three, the Holy Spirit guides, the Holy Spirit convicts. Number three, the Holy Spirit enlightens. Holy Spirit enlightens. He illuminates the word of God. I believe that you can study this book for a lifetime. You could be a scholar in all things Bible. Bible. But without the Holy Spirit of God, this will never make sense to you. will never drop in your soul. So the Holy Spirit takes the word of God and enlightens us and illuminates Jesus from the scriptures. Look at what Paul says in Colossians. We just did a whole series on Colossians. Colossians chapter one, verse nine, Paul says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. What are you praying, Paul? We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. I just spit all over my iPad when I said spirit. And that's all because of enunciation. What does Paul say? He said, we're praying that the Holy Spirit gives you understanding so that you can bear fruit in your life from a right understanding of God. Listen, never read the word of God without acknowledging in your heart and mind that God is the one who can take these verses off of a page and plant them in your heart. So when you read a verse of scripture and you're like, oh, wow, that's telling me exactly what I need to do. That's reading my mail. That is exactly what I need to understand. That's the Holy Spirit connecting you to Jesus. That's Jesus talking to you. So when the Bible calls Jesus the word, the divine logos from heaven, the word speaks to us real words. That's not the Bible talking to you. That's Jesus talking to you. And the Holy Spirit's making the connection. So yes, listen, you need to get resources. You need to get help. We need to be the church that helps disciple you. You need to get on Right Now Media and allow experts to teach you how to read the Bible. What's the, what's the website with all the, uh, the scripture stuff on it? The project. The, the project. The Bible Project. They got, they got great, I love how real we're being in this moment. They got great resources for every book of the Bible. If you're like, what does this book mean? Who wrote this book? Do you need a YouTube and go, Bible Project, this book, learn about it. You need to do all of that. But the last thing and the first thing you need to do is acknowledge that only the Holy Spirit is going to awaken you to relationally connect to God through the reading of your Bible, and that'll give you fresh wind. What does the Holy Spirit do? Guides, convicts. Somebody say guide. Let me say convict. So I say, enlighten. Number four, this one's beautiful because you don't have to do anything with this one. Number four, the Holy Spirit intercedes. Holy Spirit intercedes. Holy Spirit is called an advocate and it's beautiful to think about Jesus at the right hand of God interceding for us like scripture tells us. But did you know the Holy Spirit who lives in your body prays for you constantly? You know that when you haven't prayed for a week, it's not that you haven't been prayed for, God's been praying for you if you're a child of God. This is Romans 8. We didn't get all the way there last week, but I want to share this one, verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. This is so good. The Holy Spirit never stops lifting up groans on your behalf in heaven. And if that sounds weird, here's what that means for you practically. It means when you go to pray and you immediately go, oh, God, I know since the last time I prayed, it's been a while. God, I know since the last time I spent time in your presence, I've made these decisions and I've had these thoughts and I just feel so off right now. Here's the comfort that can cover you. That whole time, the Holy Spirit was groaning within you before God. So what that helps me do is it helps me make a quicker comeback. It helps me get in the presence of God and not feel so far behind because the Holy Spirit is seeing to it that he finishes what God starts on the inside of you. You got an advocate who's interceding for you. You have someone who's praying for you. Even right now, as you hear this word, the Holy Spirit is hopefully enlightening you to the word of God. At the same time, the Holy Spirit's going, God, remember, this one's yours. Remember, I live here. Isn't it great to be a child of God? He does all the work. We trust him and we believe and we go, thank you, Jesus. What does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit guides. had to get to the top of my notes. The Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit enlightens. The Holy Spirit intercedes. Number five, we're almost there. The Holy Spirit glorifies, glorifies. Jesus said this, John chapter 16, verse 14. We read it earlier. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit in the Trinity is not trying to shine a light on himself, the Holy Spirit, if I could compare it to a role, it's, it's like a spotlight guy. Some of those guys in the back who are controlling the lights that are on this moment right now, that's what the Holy Spirit does for Jesus. It's like, make sure the light is really bright on the Son of God. Uh, so the Holy Spirit doesn't want us walking around all the time and going, hey, what spiritual gifts do you have? And how do I get your gift? And how do, you, how do I learn more about this and that? Listen, it's great to study the scriptures, and it's great to understand spiritual gifts. But the Holy Spirit actually doesn't want a lot of attention drawn to him. The Holy Spirit exists to lift our eyes and give attention to the one who's worthy, the Lamb of God, Jesus so everything the Holy Spirit does supernaturally is not for the purpose of going, ooh, cool, God's got power. It's for the purpose of exalting Christ. So when Jesus would do miracles, isn't it amazing that when, as Jesus did miracles, he's like, stop making it about the miracles. Stop making it about the bread. Yes, I gave you a bunch of free food, but I'm the bread of life. Like, don't make it about the special stuff. I'm, I'm the thing you need to be pursuing. And so as you guys dive in, and many of you got the book I recommended last week, Practicing the Power, about starting to exercise spiritual gifts. All that's good and great, but you need to know the point is not to get weird. The point is for Jesus to get glory. So when God chooses to heal someone through your prayer, it's not, I healed someone. No, it's Jesus healed someone and got glory. But Jesus sometimes gets more glory through sustaining that person's faith through suffering. That's up to the spirit of God. That's up to the mind of God. But what you and I need to do is go, okay, Holy Spirit, glorify Christ through my life. Teach me how you want me to exalt Jesus. And sometimes it looks supernatural. Sometimes it looks super normal. I've had people tell me, Miles, until you start speaking in tongues, you have not received the Holy Spirit. Let me look through that camera and clearly tell you that is not true. The Holy Spirit fills believers who by faith profess faith in Jesus. And sometimes the gifts of the Holy Spirit are a lot more evident through words that make sense to people. And so even as right now I'm I'm doing what I'm doing on stage, you know, very few people would have the ability to take the word of God and make it this clear through a screen. That's not me doing it. That's the Holy Spirit doing it through me. And so sometimes it looks like supernatural things that can't be explained. Sometimes it looks like a gift that you have that somebody else doesn't have. But the key thing is not, look how gifted I am. I've got the Holy Spirit. The key is I exist for the glory of God. And I'm going to acknowledge through the Bible who Jesus is. That's what I mean when I say we're going to stay biblical and we're going to say yes to what the Holy Spirit reveals to us. Now, at the same time, I want to say to some of you who are like, whoa, Miles just took this thing and went really deep. I want you to know the Holy Spirit does enable every supernatural gift that Paul gives. And we can do an entire series on that. Yes, people speak in tongues because the Holy Spirit supernaturally takes care of their mouth. Yes, people are able to be literally, physically risen from the dead at the prayer of a saint. That happens. So clearly, I don't believe the Holy Spirit stops moving supernaturally, I do. I just believe when you're submitted to Jesus, you now understand why. It's so that Jesus gets the glory, Jesus is exalted, and we stay humble. Everybody okay in here? It just got really real. What does the Holy Spirit do? Guide. Somebody say guide. Somebody say convicts, enlightens, intercedes, glorifies. Number six, and somebody get up here so I stop talking. Number six, fills. The Holy Spirit fills. The Holy Spirit is not a fixer. He's a filler. So the Holy Spirit doesn't come to make everything about our lives more pleasant and manageable. The Holy Spirit comes to fill us with living water from heaven. This is what Jesus said in John chapter seven. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not yet been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. This is huge. Jesus, pre-Holy Spirit, indwelling believer says, if you come to me, you'll receive power so that what? Living water will flow from within you. The Holy Spirit fills you with a level of internal satisfaction so that nothing in this world can compete. He'll fill you with a level of supernatural purpose and you'll know this is why I'm alive and no other reason. You know what else? The Holy Spirit will fill you with a seal that will remind you every day of your life that you belong to God and there's nothing you could do would do or will do that can ever change that. Ephesians 1, when we believed we received a seal, a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. The Holy Spirit is living water from heaven. How do I get the Holy Spirit? You're like, you give me all these points, you've given me all this information I want the power that you're talking about. How do I get it? Here's the thing you don't have to sit there and wait for a spiritual gift. You don't have to wait to get baptized at Hamilton Road next month. Those are steps of obedience and those are moments where you need to receive all that God has for you, but that's not it. What did Jesus say? Stay close to the word, what did he say? Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. You receive the Holy Spirit by coming to Jesus. And so what I want you to do in this moment is from whatever circumstance, from whatever family, from whatever situation you find yourself in today, I want you to come to Jesus. And I want you to go, I'm here. Would you fill me with living water again? I'm here and I've been filling my mind and my body with the things that this world has to offer and it's making me sick. I'm here today, Jesus, and I need you to remind me that it's still worth it to proclaim your truth to a world that is lost and divided. I'm here today, Jesus, and I just need you to change my countenance because I'm so broken and beat down by being lonely and separated from my community during this time. I don't know what you're sitting in, but I know if you come, to Jesus. He's not limited on the supply to give you life. The Holy Spirit is a rushing river of life waiting and willing to fill anybody who's humble enough to go, God, I need help. God, I need you. Would you please come fill me up right now? And Jesus is not sitting there with the Spirit going, oh, hold on. Are they being sincere? Hold on. Are they committed to change? Hold on. Have they read enough scripture? Jesus is going, all you gotta do is say the word and boom, here you go. So in this moment right now, I wanna invite you to come to Jesus. Maybe it's the first time. Maybe it's the 500th time. But you come once again to go, God, fill me from the inside out with resurrection power. I believe he'll do it. Would you bow your head? Would you close your eyes in this moment? We're gonna sing a song about the miraculous supernatural power of God. Before we sing it, you need to have a moment where you decide to come to Jesus right where you are. Whatever that looks like, if it's just a prayer of God, help, I know I've been running. If it's, if it's just, God, I believe in you. I trust you. I don't know what the prayer is for you. I do know the Spirit's been praying for you. Let your heart and mind become attached to that once again. Heavenly Father, as we step into this moment and sing your truth. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would take the words spoken on this stage to go out to believers who need to be reminded of who you really are. Not who we've assumed that you are, not who maybe we experienced in a moment a long time ago, but who your word has revealed that you are today. Jesus, you're the only hope for eternal life. And so I pray for those who have never said yes to following you that right now they would pray out loud, Jesus, I give you my life. I know I'm a sinner. I know I've walked away. I know I'm spiritually dead without you, but would you fill me on the inside? I'll follow you anywhere. God, would you empower those of us who just need to return to you again and go, God, can you still meet me right where I am? Would you comfort them in your love today? Thank you, Father. Thank you that you love us as your children and your Holy Spirit makes us certain that that is never going to change. Make a way where there's no way, God. We sing to you. We give glory to the Son of God in Jesus' name.